You don't have any Stephen King. You've got the shiny. You mean shiny. Shh. Wanna get sued? It's just your fate. You're that geeky Stephen King kid. There's one of you in every school. Okay, that's him, that's him, that's Cujo, that's Cujo. I was thinking along the lines of no TV and no beer make Homer something, something. Oh, crazy. Don't mind if I do. Hello and welcome to Tower Junkies, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. Tower Junkies is a podcast celebrating the work of Stephen King, uh, celebrating the work of that birthday boy Stephen King, um, <laughs> hosted by two lifelong constant readers. We do non-spoiler and spoiler reviews of King's published work and take a critical look at his film and television adaptations and projects as well. We also discuss the latest King news and check in with each other on our on our own. Oh my God, <laughs> on our ongoing King obsessions. It's the podcast where all things serve the King. You can find more of our work at towerjunkiespod.com. You can also like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash towerjunkiespod and follow us on Twitter and every other level of social media at towerjunkiespod. And if you'd like to support what we do here, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer for a ridiculous amount of bonus content spread across all of obsessiveviewer.com's various podcasts. Uh, Currently right now at the $2 level, I am doing... By the time you're listening to this, I'm doing episode recaps and reviews and reactions to Apple TV Plus's Foundation series based on the Isaac Asimov uh, science fiction novels and also episode reviews of Chapel Wait based on Stephen King's uh, short story Jerusalem's Lot on Epics starring Adrian Brody. So check that out at the $2 level. All other levels have a bunch of other stuff too. Again, that's patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. <laughs> okay. So, I'm one of your hosts, Matt Hurt, and joining me, as usual, is that old lunkhead, Tiny. <laughs> Tiny, I'm going to ask you how you're doing, but first, I have to know, where's my cake? Mm, I love cake. I do, too. My God, me too. Right. Um, uh, let's just go into Patreon. What kind of cake do you like? <laughs> um, Better question is, what kind of cake don't I like? Oh, okay. What kind of... Okay. Let's what, not. What kind of cake don't you like? Did I open a can of worms here? Oh, yeah, well, cake yeah, worms. cake with a can of worms would be horrible. <laughs> um, <laughs> I agree with you there. Okay, so how are you doing tonight, Tiny? I'm good. I'm sleepy. But nice. You're, are you awake? Yeah. I'm awake. Okay, good, good. Because we, we talked off mic. You you did not sleep that much. You're a sleepy I didn't. tiny. Yeah. Yeah. Sleepy tiny. Sleepy tiny. I know exactly what you're going through. Yeah. Sometimes pizza will get like the yawns and the big stretches and stuff, and mm-hmm. I'll just be like, "She a sleepy kitty, sleepy kitty, sleepy kitty." Mm-hmm. Um, so today on the podcast, we're beginning our. I'm doing well, by the way. Um, <laughs> Damn <it>. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. Um, we're beginning our series of episodes covering all or at least most things creep show in this first installment of our six ish. Um, episode series. We're covering the original 1982 creep show directed by George A. Romero and written by Stephen King, who, as I alluded to earlier in this recording, uh, today uh, is Stevie's uh, big 74th birthday at the time of recording. 74. Uh, yep. Yeah, yeah. My old football number. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. So that's the Hurt the, family football. Number. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. All two of us. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, 
Yeah, I mean, so I, I mean, <laughs> if I if I meet if I meet Stephen King in the next 365 days, <laughs> I've got the perfect icebreaker, perfect opener. Yeah. yeah, and you've been alive as many times as the number on my football jersey that one year I played football. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, in four years for your brother. Oh yeah, well, <laughs> also I think my brother played football. Like there's an asterisk there too. <laughs> so he attended football. Yeah, he, he attended football. He got perfect attendance. <laughs> Jeez, um, that's mean. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Um, <laughs> for more football talk, check out Christine by Stephen King. <laughs> um, nice. Okay, now we're back on track. So we are talking about Creep Show, the 1982 movie, and I'm gonna ke- I have to keep an eye on pizza. I should have never gotten a cat. She's mischievous. Um, she is. I shouldn't have said that. You shouldn't have. I, I really should have said I really shouldn't have gotten a cat. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding, pizza. Please don't eat me. <laughs> so we're going to go through news and check-ins before we get into the review. Are you mm-hmm. game for that time? Yes, sir. All right. Do you have any check-ins? No. Okay. I figured yeah. as much. Yeah. Right. Um, you did listen to something. Stephen King related. Listen to something that involved voices. Yes, that you hear frequently <laughs> and are hearing to, now. Yes, I listened to your episode. Yes, where you were interviewed on the uh, Year of Underage Stephen King podcast. Yes, by Kim C. Kim C. Yes, that was a great interview. Oh, thank you. I, she had some great questions, and you were you were fine, but yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> no, um, I, my favorite answer you had where she was she asked about what your favorite King villain was, mm-hmm. and you said time. Yes, from uh, eleven twenty two sixty three. I thought that was very great. Oh, yes, thank yeah. you. Yeah. yeah, that was. I mean, great answer. Oh yeah. Well, you yeah. know, uh, it's all you know. Right. I can't take full credit. King is the yeah. one that wrote it, so. <laughs> He gets he gets some credit there. Oh, it's good because um, most people are like Pennywise is scary, right? And Pennywise that's fine because he is very scary. Mm. But yeah. uh, you went with like a non traditional answer. I like it. So. I agree. I agree. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I agree that it was great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, you're like, yeah, I'm pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. I'm distracted because I was just trying to get pizza away from the table. Yeah. Um. Maybe I can get like dividers up or something. Oh yeah. Like or a, like like a COVID divider. Yeah, yeah. Like they have the grocery store and stuff? Yes. I'll just go to the grocery store and steal one. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Well, that's Tiny's check-in. Thank you for uh, the compliment on that. But, I mean, you know, an, inter- an interviewee is only as good as the interviewer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so, yeah. I do encourage everyone to listen to that episode and listen to our episode with, with Kim C. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So... With check-ins, I don't really have any check-ins, Tiny. Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, except that I'm still plugging away at Under the Dome. Okay. Um, and it's just, it's super fun, and I, and I love it, and I'm excited, and I'm glad to just be listening to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, that's all the check-ins I have, so so I'll go ahead and hit you with some news. Are, are you ready, Tiny? Do it, bro. Okay. So first up is that uh, King was um, speaking at a virtual event via Zoom or over the internet or whatever called Bloody Scotland. I don't know much about it. Um, mm. It, it might have been something that he was doing with Linwood Barclay, uh, the writer, but that might have been a different thing. But anyway, mm. 
The important thing to note is that he uh, held up a couple of pages from the book that he's currently working on, and he unveiled that it is a Holly Gibney book, and that it takes place in 2021, and that he wanted to use uh, the pandemic, the coronavirus pandemic, um, if you needed uh, if you needed specificity for that. Which pandemic was that? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, he wanted to use that as a major thing in the book, mm-hmm. so... That's what he's currently working on. Also, judging from a tweet that he had that I don't remember if I said on the podcast or not. Um, Now, actually, I said it on Patreon on a special thing for January. But um, he also said in a tweet that he used it, that he used it. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Which one of us barely got sleep, Tiny? Right. (laughs) Jesus. Bigly. Yeah. Bigly. God. (laughs) Um, But I believe that he said in a tweet that he used the word, I think, tableau. Okay. Um, in his writing, his daily writing. So look for that word in an upcoming Stephen King book. Okay. Yeah. So what do you think about this news? Tableau. Uh, I wonder what <laughs> kind of tableau, like a Samsung yeah. or like a an iPad or like a Fire. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Oh my god, that was nice. not funny. That, no, that was good. Don't that was laugh good. At that. <laughs> I. <laughs> <laughs> um. I don't. I honestly, I'm not sure what tableau means. Oh, um, I think that it's a an old, old wooden ship <laughs> uh, built nice. in Civil War times. Nice. Um, man, that reference is old at that this point. That is a pole. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, I'm just gonna kind of speak about that a little bit. Um, <laughs> and just see what uh, I mean, because I mean, yeah, that's a good reference to um, <laughs> dictionary.com to something. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I don't know. But anyway, so, oh, oh, your question was, what, what's a tableau? <laughs> um, I think, and don't quote me, but I think it's a graphic description or representation. Um, okay. Yeah. A graphic description or representation. Okay. Yeah. Or, I mean, I, I also, I, I, my understanding is that it's also a, a striking or artistic grouping. Um, okay. So, yeah. Do you want some synonyms or, <laughs> or antonyms? Gotcha. Or do you want to hear the pronunciation? Well, it just feels, him saying it's a tableau feels... Um... Oh, he said that he used the word tableau in his writing. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. I'm sorry. Gotcha. Okay, I misunderstood. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. Yeah, he just used the word. Okay. Like someone... someone uh, tweeted something uh, like another writer tweeted something Uh like oh i got to use this word in in uh in my writing today and then stephen king replied to that tweet and since i'm a creepy stalker i saw the tweet (laughs) yeah um yeah okay so yeah what do you think of holly gibney (laughs) and the actual news yeah Um, that's a fun word i'm I'm obviously never used it mm -hmm. um yeah you know i i guess i'm not overly excited about a holly gibney story Mm -hmm. just because um I feel like she, you know, she was obviously a great character for the the Bill Hodges trilogy, mm-hmm. and like she, I enjoyed her and everything, but I don't necessarily want like a whole bunch more stories because I haven't even read If It Bleeds yet, right? Me um, so which I understand she's in that, um, but I feel like I don't know. Is there is there a are fans desiring more Holly Gibney stories? I don't know. I think so. Really? I think okay. that there's a, a a decent amount of support for Holly Gibney as a character. Okay. Um, I'm I'm kind of I wouldn't say that I'm indifferent to her. I would say that I I'm interested in her, but like you, I don't know if I want like King at one point said that he um 
he's going to be writing a lot of Holly Gibney stories. Mm. And when that news hit, when he said the news, I was like, oh, okay, but you know, I mean, don't yeah. don't do too many. That's Steve. interesting because this will be like her sixth book. Her yeah, oh geez, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the three Bill Hodges books mm-hmm. and the then Outsider, the Outsider, and if and it then, bleeds, uh, if it bleeds, which technically, if if it bleeds, was a novella in it. Um, oh, that's is that yeah. a collection of short stories? Oh, yeah, you didn't know I, that? I couldn't remember. Yeah, oh, I yeah. Didn't, didn't yeah, that. If okay. It Bleeds is a collection of four novellas. Okay. Um, much like Different Seasons gotcha. or Four Past Midnight. Okay. Um, you remember how I had that whole long email and, and notes and everything about how, like, oh, this year we'll do Different Seasons and have four mm. episodes, and then next year we'll do Four Past Midnight and have four episodes. Okay. So If It Bleeds will be in, like, 2025. Gotcha. Um, okay. <laughs> Or if you subscribe on Patreon, it might be in December of 2022 oh, at shit. the $2 level. Oh, shit. Um, yes. Um, dear God, I hope I can pull that off. <laughs> um, basically, guys, in January, starting January 2020, I'm going to do a weekly Patreon thing where I talk about all of Stephen King's short fiction collections, mm-hmm. starting with Night Shift and ending with If It Bleeds in December. Uh, so, yeah, that's wow. at the $2 level. Mm-hmm. So, 52 episodes of me wow. talking about Stephen King short stories yeah for two dollars per month that is twenty four dollars for what will be 52 episodes <laughs> um yeah so it's a I, heck of a deal I well <laughs> you say it's a heck of a deal I say that I clearly know what I'm worth um, <laughs> Oh my god! Um, but yeah, patreoncom slash mm-hmm. Um But yeah, any in any case, I'm uh, I'm curious what form this story with Holly Gibney is going to take because, yeah. I mean, I kind of feel like it's unique because, like I said, I'm I'm not like I'm I'm not really like that invested in Holly Gibney as a character. I enjoy her, mm-hmm. and I have enjoyed her more and more each each time she's been in a King story. Yeah. Um, with the caveat that I haven't read if it bleeds. But I also, um, I don't know where I was going with that. Um, oh, I, I, but I think the more interesting thing that I find with, with Holly Gibney as a, as a character in multiple King stories is that on one hand, just by the nature of King's writing and his work, and also on the other hand, just the nature of, of the character, there's a malleability to her that she mm-hmm. can be put into different, like the outsider had very strong supernatural stuff. Right. And, Mr. Mercedes was pretty straightforward as as a detective thriller kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, it's interesting to think of the different applications in King's different levels of storytelling that that Holly Gibney could be either could either fit well into or be thrust into. Right. Um, That's true because she's yeah. kind of like almost like uh like autistic or like Asperger's. Yeah. I, yeah, I think that it's pretty. I don't know if it's technically established that she's on the spectrum or anything, but she's she's definitely she definitely has some right um some kind some kind of uh, condition I guess? social or condition social yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't but know that, what the, but to your point that makes her a very fluid character she mm-hmm. can you know everything's weird to her yeah so it's yeah. like it's not weird for her to be in a um, you know, a mystery or a horror or a right. thriller, like, cause she's just, 
she's she's a fish out of water in any story. Right. Oh, so. that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, so we'll look forward to that. I don't know if that will be his one of his twenty twenty one books or mm-hmm. or twenty twenty two books or twenty twenty three or or what have you. But right. But yeah. Um so that's that news. And then I have one other piece of news that I'm excited about. Um there was an article on slashfilm.com um where uh they interviewed the showrunners for Chapel Wait, which is on Epics. Um and uh I'm doing reviews on Patreon. Um, <laughs> uh, but the, uh, they interviewed the, the showrunners. I didn't read it cause I'm still, you know, watching the show and everything, mm-hmm. but I did catch this or I saw someone tweet about this, um, this kind of interesting little tidbit. Uh, they asked the showrunners, if you could adapt any other Stephen King work, what would it be? And, uh, kind of there, there's two speakers here. Uh, Jason says, well, the problem is my favorite Stephen King is the shining of all time. And I think that uh, that was done pretty well, so I wouldn't want to touch that with a 10-foot pole. But, yeah, that's my favorite. And then the other showrunner, Peter, said, yeah, there's a short story I've always liked called Sometimes They Come Back. Mm. And so, and then he said, I think that's one of his best really good stories. Uh, I know it's been adapted, but... So, Tiny, you haven't read Sometimes They Come Back, have I you? I haven't, no. Have you seen the movie? No. Okay. Um, I will say that I really, really like that short story. Okay. And the idea of someone adapting it again is something that makes me very, very interested. Mm. Um, because it's, I mean, it's such an, it's such a cool story. It's such an interesting story. It's a story about a teacher who has, um, some trauma in his past and, uh, involving some high school bullies when he was a kid. Yeah. And the, the the high school bullies uh be, start showing up in his class as students <laughs> but like they're still that age when they were that young and they have the same like hairstyles and everything um and they start taunting him it's just it's so interesting wow that sounds um, awesome yeah it's a really cool story yeah and tim matheson starred in the movie sweet yeah um okay so that's pretty much all of the news that i have are you planning on are you ever going to check out chapel white I don't know yet. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, it's pretty good so far. Is it? Yeah, I've yeah. watched three episodes, I think. It's on Epics? Yes. Yeah, okay. Uh, which you can get through Amazon Prime. Okay. Um, or... Is that owned by HBO? I don't think HBO so. Pro? I don't know why I thought that. Maybe. If it's owned by anyone, maybe Showtime? Okay. Gotcha. Um, but, um, yeah, I do believe I gave you my Amazon Prime login. Uh-huh. Yeah. So you can watch it there. Okay. Yeah. But just you, Tiny. No none, no, listeners. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Um, all right. So, yeah. So that's all the news and check-ins we have. Okay. Um, Tiny, do you want to get into uh, the uh, movie review? I just realized I did not prep like uh, a uh, no notes or trailer anything. or anything oh, <laughs> to okay. play for spoilers. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll wing it there. That's cool. um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, are you ready to get into our review of 1982's um, Creepshow? I am. All right. Great. So what we're going to do um, is we're going to do a non-spoiler review and then a spoiler review. I think we're going to go kind of segment by segment, but mm-hmm. we'll do non-spoilers. And then after we go through each section or each segment, we'll go into spoilers. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... Um, Yes. 
uh, according to IMDb, Creepshow is an anthology which tells five terrifying tales inspired by the EC horror comic books of the 1950s. This movie was released on November 10th, 1982, and it was directed by George A. Romero, famous for his Living Dead uh, series of movies mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, um, kind of uh, reinventing the horror genre and, and inventing the zombie horror genre. Mm-hmm. Just uh, so much respect. Yeah. Um, and it was written by Stephen King, mm-hmm. who is uh, 74 today. I don't know why I keep going back to that <laughs> um, because people are listening to it in the future. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So um, before we start, uh, Tiny, what's your history with this movie? I've seen it. Um, I saw it probably when I was like a teenager. Um, I think that's the only time I've ever watched it. Okay. Um, I don't remember exactly how old I was, but uh, I kind of liked it back then. You know, I, I think I pretentious teenager tiny was like, well, it's super campy, so it's, right. it's pretty dumb. But like underneath, I was like, I had a pretty good time with it, actually. Sure. Um, so I guess I haven't really talked about it much. But uh, yeah, I saw it years ago and just hadn't really re- revisited it in a long time. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, you know, what's interesting is that I, um, never saw this movie until a year or two ago. Hmm. And I, it's something that I wasn't sure what to expect and what I got was pretty satisfying. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's interesting because I'm surprised that I never gave it a shot before, like, a couple of years ago or a year ago. Right. Um, especially like when you and I work together and work nights, like this mm-hmm. seemed like the kind of thing that I would download or, or we would bring to the, bring to the control room as right. security guards or a shocktober at some point. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, but yeah, I've, I have filled that, uh, that, that spot, uh, that what is the word I'm looking for? Um, <laughs> that, uh, blank spot in my, viewing mm-hmm. now so um okay so yeah like i said um we're gonna go into a non-spoiler uh discussion we're gonna go segment by segment there are five segments in this uh anthology film and the first one is uh father's day mm-hmm. um how did you feel about father's day tiny and uh by the way it was an original story written by king for the film specifically mm-hmm. so it's not based on any pre uh pre-existing conditions <laughs> pre-existing stories or anything right um so yeah so this just, just to kind of give a brief premise this is the story of a woman who um she kind of is from money um and her father uh is very uh, abusive and she murders him mm-hmm. and is haunted by him yep um so tiny what did you how did you feel about this uh this segment of creep show in non-spoilers You'll hear me say the word fun quite a bit nice. um, because I think that's really the tone mm. they were going for with this. Like it's, it's very much, they're not like going for jump scares or anything like that with this kind of story. I think they're like trying, trying to tap into like fun Halloween horror. Yeah. Um, over the topness campiness. Um, I'm not, again, I'm not sure if that's what they were going for or maybe it was a happy accident mm. or maybe, you know, here in 2021, it feels different than it did in the eighties when it came out. I don't really know, but, uh, right. yeah, I just had a, such a fun time with, the, with all the segments in the whole movie. Nice. Um, and starting with this, yeah, I mean like there's, there's like such a white people dancing scene. Oh my God. I was going to bring that up. I mean, it is like, 
<laughs> it's it's funny. It's like hilarious. What's what's hilarious to me about that is that it feels like it's it's an it feels it does feel to me like it's intentionally goofy and over yeah, the top and silly. Right. Which is great. It it's what brings that scene and the movie as a whole all like most of its charm. Mm-hmm. But also I can't help but think that Ed Harris is committing yes. so hard to that. So like hard. he it looks so intense to him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm just like, dude, you're dancing with no rhythm <laughs> i can't believe it's not a meme yeah oh me too like yeah like a gift somewhere yeah. that people share oh yeah like fucking white people or something like that right. you know <laughs> yeah. um yeah but it's the, the whole the whole thing kind of has that tone and you know even the the villain um when they're showing like flashbacks mm. he's like way over the top yes um which you kind of had to kind of joke um early on where's where, my, where's my cake? cake like he just does not stop saying that right um like when he's alive and they're showing the flashback mm. it's like dude chill yeah um your but cake is coming sir right <laughs> yeah. but it's funny you know yeah. it, it just adds a tone to the story um and uh yeah and also it's just it's just a cool story like i think yeah i think if it was told like going for genuine scares and stuff mm. i'm not sure if it would work as well or or be memorable, I yeah. guess. Um, it's I, I think, I, you know, Stephen King is a he writes novels and mm-hmm. novellas and short stories. So he's his strength is putting a story in someone's mind and they they bring it to life with the pictures in their mind, right? Yeah. So I think if I would love to see him write this as a straight horror story, mm-hmm. just you know, a hundred pages or whatever, yeah. I think it would be awesome oh yeah and actually pretty much all of these right uh, would be super awesome in that regard but it's it's just it's it's funny seeing them in the context they're in with this campiness and stuff it it, it gives them yeah. a different completely different feel oh absolutely that yeah. tone i think when i first saw this movie i honestly i did not expect it to be that kind of that brand of of horror comedy right i honestly thought that it was going to be a kind of straightforward horror movie that is was probably dated by that time because it was 82 mm-hmm. but what i what i was so enamored with and surprised by was that it's it's this fun energetic energetic kind of comic book kind of comic pulp comic book um horror anthology which is so refreshing and so fun and it's like clearly, obviously, like I said, it's inspired by the EC horror comics, like uh, uh, Tales from the Crypt, mm-hmm. and like obviously has that vibe through and through. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, it is, it is such a treat. It is yeah. so, it's so fun. It is, yeah. Um, but yeah, and I, I liked Father's Day um, a lot. Like it was, it was a good one to start it out on, and uh, the gruesomeness of it is also really fun like the the way that the the way that the monster of it is depicted is just it's very much like a just terrifying like oh i'm coming after you kind of thing and Mm -hmm. it's like like it is all like makeup effects and and Mm -hmm. prosthetics and everything and practical effects it just looks just like it looks like they intentionally went overboard with all of the makeup and the the effects and everything yeah and it plays so wonderfully uh, because of that, right? Yeah, um, which yeah. Um, did uh, I think I think I read this, but didn't did Tom Savini do the makeup? I think so because he's in the movie. He's in the sec. 
second movie. Is he in the first one too? Is he in the second one? I thought yeah. he was. I think he's in the first one. He's the is garbage he? man at the end. Oh, that's or right. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, I, I'm sure that he did probably do the uh, makeup effects on it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's 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 really effective. Mm-hmm. Um, which obviously he's a legend. Oh yeah. Um, in, in the makeup, but but he can he can you know. I think he was intentionally playing up ridiculousness, mm-hmm. like this is like camp- campiness over the top ridiculousness, because yeah. obviously the guy can do a straightforward horror or like realistic makeup job on right something. I mean, the guy basically invented zombie makeup. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. You know, it's it's a big deal, which has become an basically become an art mm-hmm. um, with the Walking Dead and and right. the popularization of, of zombie stories. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think I think you're right. I think he just kind of was like, let's just put ten pounds of makeup on this dude <laughs> yeah. and prosthetics, throw and everything at the wall, rubber and... skin, and all this crap. Yeah. Yes, yeah, anything goes basically. Yeah, and yeah. it is it is such a delight. It right, is, it is very effective. Totally. Um. Yeah. So so anything else on Father's Day? Um. Mm. Have you ever gotten a cake for your father for Father's Day? <laughs> uh, probably. Okay. I don't know if I remember, but I'm sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This past Father's Day, we went to Los Patios. Oh, nice. And we got the uh, fried ice cream. Oh, okay. Nice. Which is really good. Nice. Cool. Yeah. Um, He wasn't like demanding it furiously. Right. (laughs) Where's my fried ice cream? (laughs) Don't they stop me fried ice cream? Yes. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I really want a horchata. Mm. No. Um, You like horchata? I do. Yeah. I am not a fan. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Huh. So. Wow. One of my jobs I had, uh, a guy I worked with, he was a Mexican gentleman, Mm -hmm. and he would make his own horchata and bring bring it in like for pitchins and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I tried it and I was like, that's really good. But I don't like it, and I was like, oh, "No offense, but okay. people, everybody else loved it. Like people, uh-huh. people would request it. Like mm. they'd be like, Ray, you don't have a choice. You're bringing in horchata.'" Mm. And he was like, "Yeah, okay." So wow, I don't know. It's not my thing. <laughs> That's really good, but it's fucking disgusting, and you should be ashamed, Ray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good. Ugh. <laughs> Uh, awesome. Well, yeah. yeah anyways, I'm, yeah. Send them over here. Sure. Um. But yeah. So that's Father's Day, and uh, yeah. And so, do you want to go on to the second segment? Yes. Okay. So this one is, man. If we thought that the first segment was <laughs> silly, then right. Holy shit. So the <laughs> lonesome death of Jordy Verrill. Um, yeah. Based on the King short story Weeds, which was first published in Cavalier Magazine in May 1976, uh, it's inspired by H.P. Lovecraft's The Color Out of Space, uh, which also, worth noting, inspired elements of the much maligned Tommyknockers novel. Hmm. Um, yeah, and it's interesting because this short story um, and the other one of the other segments coming up uh, that's also based on a short story. Neither one of those have ever been collected anywhere for huh. in King's in King's bibliography, yeah. which I find really interesting. Right. Um, and as a completionist, I find that incredibly frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. So this segment stars Stephen King himself mm-hmm. as the titular Jordy uh, Verrill. 
that old lunkhead. <laughs> and uh, it is he finds a meteorite that crashes on his farmland, um, and he has these incredibly silly <laughs> visions of how yeah. he's going to sell it to the Department of Meteors yeah. at the university. <laughs> um, and then horror elements ensue. <laughs> Uh, Tiny, how did you feel about the lonesome death of Jordy Verrill? This might be my favorite one, nice. just, which it's an obvious pick because Stephen mm. King stars in it, but um, yeah. I, it's not because of that. It's because of those like visions of grandeur mm-hmm. like that he has. It makes me think of, or delusions of grandeur, I guess is the term. Right. It just makes me think of like, um, like the whole you'll shoot your eye out thing in uh, uh, A Christmas, Christmas Story. Story. You yeah. know, it's that ridiculous thing where his mom you know his mom is a jester and the teacher's a witch you'll shake your eye out right. like it's just so it's it, it's almost like a kid's like a kid's fever dream yeah um those it's like the department of meteors yes. <laughs> like what the <laughs> fuck it's so funny um it's so funny yeah that that's so fun but also mm. what's what's interesting is i this story i remember it from when i was a teenager because i think mm. the idea of like a plant-based life form like coming to earth and just literally taking over everything like anything Mm -hmm. it touches it just spreads like that's actually a really terrifying concept to me oh yeah like um you know aliens scared Mm -hmm. the shit out of me so this is a plant alien Mm -hmm. um it's like m night Shyamalan. like right where do the plants go (laughs) um right say how do you mother for me (laughs) (laughs) nice um but like that's that's like a really scary concept like Mm -hmm. these plants are just taking over your house if you touch it it starts to grow on you and Mm -hmm. like that's crazy oh yeah um and it was touched it's funny i recently read a book called um a head full of ghosts oh yeah which was written by um paul tremblay paul tremblay yeah who's buddies with uh, stephen king Mm -hmm. and um there's a character who uh, kind of the main characters are like two two sis two young sisters Mm -hmm. like 14 and like nine eight those are their ages right and like the older one is kind of crazy and she makes up a story mm. to tell her younger sister. Oh yeah. And it's kind of a version of this, except it's fucking scary. Yeah. Like the growing things. Growing things. Yeah. And it's like, it's like scary as shit mm. in the book and it's really cool. And I, I, as soon as I was reading that book and she started talking about that, I was like, I wonder if this is inspired. Mm-hmm. If like Paul Tremblay was inspired by right. creep show in 1982. Cause I, I immediately thought of the lonesome death of Jordy Verrill. Um, so yeah, that's just a kind of a fun connection to make. I have no idea. Yeah, I uh, I kind of forgot about that in yeah. Head Full of Ghosts. And in, in Paul Trim, uh Paul Tremblay, yeah. Mm-hmm. He has a a short story collection called Growing Things. And oh, okay. I I'm I'm curious if I don't know if it's just that just he used that title. Yeah. Or if it if he has like a standalone like story okay. of that in that. So I don't know. But yeah. interesting. But anyway, so it's it's kind of a cool juxtaposition with all of the silliness of the character of Jordy Verrill mm-hmm. and his delusions of grandeur juxtaposed with, I mean, you know, a kind of a disturbing ending and everything. And, yeah. Um, the fact that he, you know, these plants are literally taking over. It's mm-hmm. kind of, it's, it's, I think it's one of the, of the stories in the collection. It's one of the most genuinely scary yeah. underneath all the layer of ridiculousness and campiness and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, at least in my opinion. You know, 
I I will say that I agree that it is one of the scariest, but mm-hmm. I've got to reserve that last one for scariest. Sure, sure. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I agree with we'll that. We'll get to. Yeah. 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 Um, for me, I I mean, I agree that campiness, that silliness, the over the over the top <laughs> uh, acting by King is right. Like, I don't know. I feel like I was expecting to cringe really hard. Yeah. And I feel like that's a disservice to King, and I apologize, right. Steve, especially on your birthday. <laughs> but um, but I, I was really because he's not a trained actor. Right. And granted, it's I mean, it's a it's a genre movie that's that's, you know, has camp baked into it and everything. So mm-hmm. there's not a lot of of pressure on a performer to really perform it because people are not necessarily watching it for the performances or to be emotionally uh, connected to it. They just want to be, have fun and be scared and everything. Mm -hmm. So I was expecting, having said that, I was expecting King to be kind of a cringy kind of thing, especially with the time period that being when he's pretty heavily into his uh, drug and alcohol abuse. Right. So I was expecting it to be just really cringy and awkward, but I think because he isn't <laughs> like a trained actor and because the the tone is just so heightened and and silly, his performance just worked really, really well for yeah, me. Yeah, it did. He went for it. I mean, oh, he really did. Didn't hold back. Yeah. And the yeah. writing was great, too. Like mm-hmm. his, when, like those <laughs> Department of Meteors things, <laughs> those visions, it's it's great. And it also has like, and I don't want to analyze it too much because I don't think it really needs analyzation or anything, but the idea of him having these delusions of grandeur and these these fantasies that he's clearly like a down-on-his-luck farmer guy. Uh, he doesn't really have much going for him or anything, so he's inventing these delusions of like, like, like speaking to someone who is clearly successful and, and smart and everything and and being able to get more than more than he's offered for the meteor and everything and he has a leg up on him yeah having right. that kind of point of pride of like my meteor my price mm-hmm. um and it's just it's like that has its own like little um characterization that we could mine for something sure um but i think overall just the performance of 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 king and that is just such a delight and so much fun right um Um, according to the imdb trivia i guess george romero like requested he that was like a that was a note he wanted him to act he wanted him to act that way oh that's awesome okay so i guess that was intentional he wasn't just like stephen king was like well i'm not a good actor so i'm just gonna go balls to the wall like it wasn't just some whim he had (laughs) yeah um yeah so (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I really need to dig in more into. I don't know what this, how this is going to sound. I really need to dig in more into King and Romero's like friendship because mm. they were. I mean, they were pretty close for a long time. For yeah. The, most of their careers, at least. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So that's uh, something to say on a podcast without any uh, really clear direction from thought. <laughs> um, so. Uh, so yeah, so we both loved uh, the lonesome death of Jordy Verrill. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, clear like a very clear reference to Castle Rock and Castle County mm-hmm. in it, which was a delight. Yeah, um, yeah. 
So, do you want to move on to the next segment, Tiny? Yes. Okay, so this I'm pretty excited about because I had forgotten about it. Hmm. Um, the next segment is called Something to Tide You Over. It mm-hmm. stars Leslie Nielsen and Ted Danson. Um, it was an original story written by King for the film. And the premise is that this man uh, kind of confronts this other man who is having an affair with the first man's wife. And it is basically your classic revenge story a la King. And what I found really interesting about this was that um, having just recently reread Night Shift, um, there's a story in there called The Ledge, which is incredibly similar to this. Like huh. The Ledge is the Ledge is amazing. It's it's about a man who uh, wagers to the man who is sleeping with his wife that he will let his wife go to him and let like let bygones be bygones. They can run off together and everything. The only the only thing that the man has to do is walk walk around the ledge of the of the penthouse apartment that they're in, uh, forty stories up. the uh, The ledge is four inches wide, hmm. and they have to walk around the entire thing. It's a very fun story. Wow, it's, that's cool. It's horrifying too because I have, fucking heights are, right. are terrifying to me. Yeah, but anyway, so this story kind of has that same kind of vibe because he uh he he orchestrates a revenge a revenge plot uh leslie nielsen does against ted danson and the wife who mm-hmm. i don't have her name in front of me but uh yeah it's a very gruesome and grisly and and kind of uh claustrophobic um kind of revenge tale how did you mm-hmm. feel about something to tide you over tiny i just, i love how creative it is like that's uh, disturbing sentence to say but right um the the like, how, how many ways can you think of to kill a person oh i've got a list <laughs> <laughs> um so does stephen king apparently yeah. um but, force him to be my podcasting partner for nearly a decade <laughs> <laughs> jesus um but you know th- this is clever it's something i'm sure someone has thought of somewhere along the way mm-hmm. other than stephen king but uh to see it exemplified this way is really chilling and as a person who's not a big fan of like natural bodies of water anyways like it just freaks me out and drowning i think would be one of the worst ways to die yes um yeah even if you can hold your breath for a long long time (laughs) um yeah i also think it's kind of funny how technology plays a part in the yeah in the uh episode Mm -hmm. um I don't know if there's a commentary there or anything. Oh, I didn't a, think about it as a commentary on anything. Or like That's a subtext. I, I have no idea. Huh. But um, like it's it's funny how this is the first time since I've watched this or I've been, yeah, this I, I guess I noticed mm-hmm. when I was watching this segment this time in the opening, Leslie Nielsen goes to confront Ted Danson mm-hmm. and he's at Ted Danson's apartment or house or whatever. And he's just like looking around kind of just commenting on his technology. Oh yeah. And like, he's like looking at his VCR and mm-hmm. his, like his old ass tube TV. And right. he's like, he's like, you know, you should really clean these parts out and you should really, uh, make sure you cycle the so-and-so you should really mm-hmm. take better care of this stuff. And Ted Danson, meanwhile, is like, you son of a bitch, what are you doing here? And, <laughs> and it's just like, it's just kind of funny that I don't know, I don't know what it is. I, I I don't know if it's trying to make a commentary that he felt Lizzie Nielsen's character felt superior 
because of the technology. That's really interesting. Yeah, because it gave him a leg up, you know. I I honestly took it to mean that he was he was the movie was calling attention to it so that it wouldn't be a surprise when the TV <laughs> popped up on the beach. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that could be something. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah. Also prescient because, uh, you know. Everyone that allegedly goes to the beach now. Uh, we live in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, everyone on the beach now has their own little TV in the form of their phones. Right. And tablets. That's true. So, yeah. And tableaus. Yeah, and tableaus. Nice. <laughs> Callback. <laughs> nice. Um, um, but yeah. yeah, it's just it's super fun. Mm-hmm. I think the... Uh, I As I'm, I haven't said that, I forgot to say this, but as, as I'm watching these, I like to think about some of the images that would make cool um, comic book frames. Oh yeah. You know, um, and one of the, I mean, for me, the best one in the movie is Mm. Ted Danson buried up to his shoulder, up to his neck and his hair floating in the water and he's Mm. trying to hold his breath and there's a fish that swims by. That was so freaking cool. So perfect. Oh yeah. You know? Oh yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I loved this one. Um, like I said, just when King does like a revenge story, he goes for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's as true in 1982 as it is in, you know, the last time he did a revenge story. Right. <laughs> um, right. But it's, I, I just really like the kind of, first of all, I like the cleverness of it, mm-hmm. the intricacy of it. Like it is such an elaborate way to kill somebody. Yeah. And... <laughs> Uh, I also, I, I love that it's Leslie Nielsen and Ted Danson. Right. I thought that was a nice just casting. That's a, I mean, I guess, I think at the time Ted Danson wasn't really a name yet. I don't think so. No. Uh, pre-Cheers. Right. Cause Cheers was, uh, mid eighties, I think, or maybe yeah, 80, 85 I, or something. I think it was like a year before Cheers. Was it? Maybe. Really? And was it caused it a lot of jeers and <laughs> uh, maybe he had some fears that, <laughs> His career wouldn't take his career wouldn't take off, <laughs> but um, Leslie Nielsen was like an established comedic actor. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, it'd be like well, it'd be also, like it'd be like Will Ferrell showing up in right. a horror movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, Leslie Nielsen also started out as a dramatic actor. Right, right. Um, and he also uh, dabbled in sci-fi with. Uh, Forbidden Planet. Mm, um, okay. By the way, I'm glad that you pulled me out of that uh, that, that rhyming spiral and everything as so. fast as I could. Yeah, yeah. Because like it's it's really nice to have like oh god, a, <laughs> <laughs> uh, to, like with like anthology, I'm just by myself and everything. But it's nice to have a peer here um, <laughs> to curb that, um, yeah. to steer me away from that. Okay. Now let me hear it in a rap battle form. No, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Don't. I was joking. Uh, okay, cool. I'm not going to give you a beat. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, anyway. <laughs> Patreon.com probably. Eventually I'll do something like that. <laughs> Who the fuck knows? I'm surprised you haven't done it already. No. Well, <laughs> you wait and see. Um, Don't also, check your hard drive. Right. <laughs> um, but also, I uh, just want to point out the the delicious pun of the title, something to tide you over. Yeah, I think is nice. Totally. Um, so yeah, so I thought that was a lot of fun. That was a, that was a fun um, thing. And what what I like so much about these segments is that they are so cohesive in their tone mm-hmm. because, like, they do have like each one that we've talked about has its own level of horror and campiness and fun energy. 
and it's just it's such a good balance between those elements and to find that tone. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just I really like that. Yeah. Um, and then we get the penultimate segment mm-hmm. called the crate, Yeesh. which is based on a Stephen King short story titled The Crate, uh, which originally was published in the July 1979 issue of Gallery. And much like Weeds, which was the basis for the lonesome death of Jordy Verrill, uh, the crate has never been collected, and I don't understand why. <laughs> yeah, like that's such a bummer. Yeah, like one of his collections. I think maybe not just after sunset, but one or two before that, I think uh, probably nightmares and dreamscapes like in the author's note or in the forward, he's like, Oh, Hey, here's just basically everything that hasn't been collected yet. um, (laughs) Plus some new stuff. And then, yeah. And then, then again, and just after sunset, he had the cat from hell and that was a, that was a story that he wrote in 77. So I I don't know. It's just, it's, it's frustrating to me that that there are stories that aren't collected. Right. Um, of his, which, yeah. 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 Anyway, um, uh, the crate is, um, a, a, an interesting monster story. Yeah. Uh, there's a monster in a crate. There's a nagging wife and a, uh, (laughs) a very angry husband, um, also worth mentioning that Fritz Weaver appears in this uh, segment. I just want to mention that because I like Fritz Weaver. He's in, uh, he was in several episodes of, or a few episodes of the original Twilight Zone, including, mm. uh, some of my favorites, including Third from the Sun. Gotcha. And, uh, The Obsolete Man. Hmm. So, Tiny, what did you think of The Crate? This is like my second favorite one. Um, I really nice. like, I like this one just because it's, um, it's cla- it's a classic. It's a monster. It's a monster mm-hmm. monster story. Monster in a box. Like yeah. what's be- it's like a present you open and you get an awesome mm-hmm. story. Um, and it's there's just so many horror elements to it. I think you have the the mystery like a mystery box mm-hmm. in and of itself is a cool story. Yeah, you have a crazy ass monster that's killing and eating people. Right, it's hiding under the stairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's discovered it people keep getting drawn to it and and then you have this whole subplot with a guy trying to kill his wife like yeah. it's it's just so many fun things it coming together packs so many threads into a single single right. segment of an anthology film it's it's really mm-hmm. it's it's interesting that they could pull it off yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I really really liked the mystery of the box like mm. I, I really liked that like that question of it, like when they open it and it's just like, uh, yeah. you can see parts of it, like that concealing effect of it is just really effective. Totally. Um, yeah. 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 And you know, it's all conventional animatronic. Mm-hmm. There's no CGI here or anything. Right. Which was, you know, that, that has a charm in and of itself. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's a, you know, what would the movie Jaws be mm-hmm. if it was CGI? Right. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. True. True. Yeah. yeah, and it's funny because it makes it since it's of such high quality, um, it creates this timeless effect. Like mm-hmm. it's it doesn't feel dated. It doesn't feel over the top or anything. It right. just feels like a really effective kind of scary imagery. Yeah, um, I mean it's a little silly, of course, because oh, yeah. it's campy over Silliness the top. Silliness is baked right. into it. Yeah, you never see his feet. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It's just it's it's a little silly, but it's it's effective. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Um. Yeah, I, I liked it too. I liked it a lot. I liked the kind of uh, dramatic elements with the with the couple and everything. That mm-hmm. kind of just the seething hatred. Yeah, <laughs> like his hatred toward her and her just outward hatred. 
is just really uh cool. Yeah, like the boiling over yes. of his emotion or his uh his emotions. Right. Um his hatred, yeah, the boiling mm-hmm. over of that is is so fun. Um, yeah. And having it come from Hal Holbrook. Yes. Which I just see as, as like, oh, sweet old Hal Holbrook. Because right. he's been old since 1982. <laughs> right. It's crazy. Because he just yeah. passed away a couple years ago, I want right. to say. Yeah. He was like 90 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, uh, yeah. And the, um, I can't remember the actor's name who plays his wife, but like, I wanted to kill her. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. You know, she's so, she again, committed to that. Uh, Adrian Barbeau. Yeah. Yes. Um, she was she was great and just i love just her her mocking her mocking of him was mm. perfect oh yeah um yeah just so much to get under your skin yes um yeah. totally yeah yeah um, and it's just like of all the ways this guy could dispose of his wife right. and he's been you know wanting to kill her he's like oh this is he sees this horrifying situation he's like well you know what i'm gonna use this to finally get rid of my wife right it's just crazy <laughs> that he would even have that the, the his gears would be turning that way right it's funny so good yeah um yeah so uh so yeah i don't know if we really have anything else to say about the crate yeah um yeah. It's certainly great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Great, great. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Shall we go on to the final segment yes, of sir. this movie? All right. So, uh, the final segment of Creepshow 1982 is just, oh, mm-hmm. oh um, yeah. <laughs> they're creeping up on you. <laughs> uh, it's an original story by King that was written for the film. It is about a man kind of holed up in his own uh, paranoid cleanliness Mm -hmm. um, in a penthouse apartment, I believe. Um, That is uh, infested, infested, (laughs) and infested. With cockroaches. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, the uh, actor is Upson Pratt, uh, played by E.G. Marshall. Um, yeah. Just, and it's interesting that this story is two out of the, uh, two out of five segments are basically like bottle segments or just single actor segments. Right. So that's right. pretty interesting. Totally. Um, E.G. Marshall, by the way, you may know from 12 Angry Men mm-hmm. and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Right. Yes. Right. Um, as well as a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, Tiny... Oh, he was also... That's where I know the name. Uh, he was in the Tommyknockers miniseries. Oh, I don't remember him in yeah, that. Yeah, he played Ev Hillman. He may not remember himself in that. Right. Well, he definitely <laughs> doesn't because he died in 1998. Jesus. But, <laughs> but yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um... um. So yeah, Tiny, what did you think of their uh, creeping all over you? Yeah, so this is the one I didn't really remember it from the first time mm-hmm. I watched it. Uh, so the second time it was a bit of a surprise. It felt really fresh. Um, but I, I'm I'm wondering again if there was a little technology commentary there or a little bit of mm-hmm. um, uh, predicting the future kind of thing mm-hmm. where you know technology allows this guy to be so isolated from everyone to the point where he he has no in-person interactions with anyone Mm -hmm. even the the maintenance guy who comes to the door he never opens the door and they just kind of yell at each other through the door right um and then he's you know he he 
pisses someone off so much that they're calling him and, and leaving, you know, berating. He's being berated by this woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's so isolated from that. And he's so, I guess he, he it's, he's so insulated as well. Yeah. That he li- literally starts to smile when, I mean, obviously mm-hmm. he's an evil son of a bitch. Right. Right. But you know, I, I feel like the, the fact that if, if she was standing in front of him, yelling at him doing that, I feel like he, you know, he can't, him having that reaction would be so unlikely and out of character, but oh, totally. because it's just someone barking at him through a phone, he just thinks it's funny. Yeah. Um, and I, again, I don't know if there was a subtext or a commentary mm-hmm. on technology and isolation and all that. I don't know, but that's something that I kind of picked up on. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's funny cause you can just retroactively place onto it the disconnected nature that we all feel with technology and everything. Right. By yeah. the way, thank you for downloading this on your smartphone and <laughs> listening to it while not interacting with other people. Right. Probably with earbuds in where yeah. you can even hear other people, Roger. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, so, uh, I, I found that to be really interesting and, and, uh, it's so, it's so funny cause you, you went more into the subtext of everything than, than I even thought to. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so kudos to you. I was just like, this is fun. And oh, I hate bugs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that sense of isolation is, it, it's interesting. Cause that segment really takes, takes you on a ride. Um, because it begins with this, um, isolated man that admittedly, like my thought is, that's pretty nice. <laughs> Just to be closed off from the world and everything. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind that. I don't think. Um, says the man who lives alone in an apartment. But, uh, but yeah. And then it just with the introduction of the bugs and mm-hmm. how many there are and the escalation of that, it is so creepy and unsettling. Yes. And it just it just gets so under your skin, mm-hmm. at least for me. And like, I hate bugs. Yeah. I hate cockroaches. I, it's, Oh, I can't, I can't, I can't. Mm-hmm. I, I hate, I hate, I hate. Yep. Um, and just to see the escalation of that in the segment is, is so, so creepy. Yeah. And I, we won't give away the kind of payoff of that, but it leads to a very, very evocative and, and visceral payoff. Right. That's just so gross and ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Um, I read in the trivia mm-hmm. <laughs> that I think George Romero said that this was the most expensive part of the whole movie. Oh, I bet. Because they used real cockroaches. Jesus. And he said... I hate that now. <laughs> <laughs> they cost 50 cents a piece. Oh my God. And they used 250,000 of them. So they spent over a hundred grand just on cockroaches. Oh my God. Yeah. I was like, holy shit. I wonder if that's true. Like, yeah, that's bananas. Ugh, oh yeah. That makes it so much worse to me. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. not that I didn't expect it to be the, be real. Cause I don't know how else they could have done it. Yeah. Um, but just the idea. Ugh, right. I really hope E.G. Marshall got a good payday out of that. For real. Um, um I also I also think there's some to, to kind of go back to the idea of mm-hmm. picking frames for a comic book. I feel like there's a ton in this segment because um I think this has some of the best camera work. Yeah. Because they're following scurrying little bugs and mm-hmm. that's challenging camera work. But um yeah. it's also it also has this very clean white backdrop i was gonna mention that all the time so it feels like the outline frames Mm -hmm. of 
a comic frame. Oh wow! Um, to me, like I thought yeah. that was this is like one of the best examples of it. Um, Damn, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. I thought of it just because of the contrast with the black cockroaches. Mm-hmm. It, like that just made and the fact that it's all like. Like, it's not like a carpeted room. It's all just, right. uh, you know, hard floors. Right. And so the scurrying and the sounds yep. and everything is, is more Amplified, effective. Yeah. yeah. Right. But man, I did not think about that as yeah. the edges of, of comic book frames. There's so many cool visuals, too. Like, I, I love the part where they, a few times they show him standing in the window. Yeah. And they're showing, like, a um, they're looking in through the window. So you can see mm-hmm. the exterior of the building is, like, an older, like maybe like an art deco gothic style yeah. uh, stone building that probably has tons of character and is really beautiful. Right. And this guy just made this completely sterile, updated, like a horrible looking, like no style yeah. to this apartment at all. And what's probably a really beautiful, like downtown Manhattan building. Right. Um, and I, I love, I love that kind of, again, it's sort of like an opposite of a comic frame. You have the, mm-hmm. the pure whiteness in the middle and then you have this, beautiful earthy stone around the outside of the frame yeah. of the building. It's just uh, the visuals kind of jumped out at me. It's not, it's not something that I would expect to latch onto as a viewer watching a mm-hmm. movie like this. That's so campy and over the top, but I'm, I don't know if, I don't know if it was intentional, but I feel like they, th- this is the least amount of camp in this, oh, in, yeah, in this segment. Um, but they, again, I think they just really went for it visually Yeah, in this, in this segment. Yeah. I, I definitely agree. Um, and that's it. Yeah, and and that kind of sterility to it, um, the way that his his space is just so sterile, and in contrast to, like you said, the kind of beautiful imagery of the exterior and the and and the other like limited sets that we see, mm-hmm. um, it just speaks to just how disconnected he is from the world, right? And that's just that's really really interesting, mm-hmm. um, for as gross and yucky as it is, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It would be awesome to have a little. I don't even know what you call it, like a little a little vacuum tube on your desk. Oh, where yeah. You could just throw like it's like your trash can. Just yeah. throw stuff in there. That'd be so fucking cool. Yep. Yep. I have no idea if anything like that even exists. Right. I'm sure it'd have to be custom made, but yeah, that's yeah. that would be cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like something out of a sci fi movie. Yeah, it kind of reminded me a little bit of uh oh god, well, I don't remember what they're called, but like in banks, the uh, yeah, like pneumatic the, tubes. The new yeah, pneumatic yeah. tubes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. Um also the kind of germophobia, uh uh, as the kids say, hits a little different in the COVID era. <laughs> um, yeah, nice. definitely wasn't vibing with this. Yeah, it do be hitting different though. Yeah, it does. It do. <laughs> it do it be. Do. Yep. Yeah. Totally. Um, yeah. So that is they're creeping up on you, or they're they're creeping on you. They're creeping uh, up on you. They're creeping up on you. Yeah. Um. Oh, so uh, I do want to talk briefly about the um frame frame story mm-hmm. uh the kid with the comic and uh and then the the trash men uh how'd you feel about the segment again just really fun mm. it's perfect uh perfect contextualization i think yes. of setting the tone it was mm. so fun i loved um i loved the ridiculous dad yeah damn kids on your trashy comic books kind of right. thing like who's actually like that yeah. you know it's so ridiculous very over the top right um yeah. and then the like quiet regarded wife mm-hmm. housewife kind of she's like in the kitchen the whole time and yeah she's like oh leave billy alone he's up there reading his books or whatever right. um just so um archetypical i guess mm. um and uh also just how um uh 
well, I may have to say that for spoilers, but mm-hmm. the progression that the character of Billy takes by the end, what he's doing. Oh, yeah. Um, is just yeah. fun. Played by Joe Hill. Yeah, I was going, I was yeah. so excited because I wasn't sure <laughs> if you were going to catch that. Yeah, um, I obviously didn't recognize him, but. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just think that that's such a cool, That that's so cool. Yeah. Um, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, the dad is played by Tom Atkins, who uh, you may know from several things, but also from uh, <laughs> Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know him from that. <laughs> don't start me thinking about that fucking movie. Yeah. <laughs> did you ever see that? Oh, God, yes. Okay. We talked I about it so. on the podcast. We did, right, yes. Um, that, was, that was early Obsessive Viewer. That was yeah. maybe like the second year. Yeah. Um, for Shocktober one mm-hmm. year. Because I think that was... No, I don't know if that was the year where I did 360 movies. I don't... Maybe uh, I don't. I I can't remember, so. but yeah, I, I, I had a big Shocktober that year because mm-hmm. I watched. I think I watched every Halloween movie. That year. Yeah. Um. So I just I went through the whole collection. Yeah. Um. And I forced myself to watch that one. Yeah. Ooh. It's it's rough. It's rough. It's the only time I've ever seen it. Probably the only time I'll ever see it. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, an anecdote that I have is, uh, I watched it because I bought the set, the Blu-ray set, and mm-hmm. um, I watched it and I. <laughs> I had been dating someone mm-hmm. and uh, I received a text message from her saying, hey, do you want to meet tomorrow here so that we can talk? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> OK, well, this is going to end tomorrow. <laughs> and like I was kind of bummed about it. And like I was trying to like, I mean, I was in my what early t- or mid mid to late 20s at that point. Mm-hmm. And so like I'm sitting there and I'm like read- reading over the text and everything, just like oh, preparing myself. <laughs> Uh, while I had the Blu-ray for Halloween three in my, in my, like on my TV mm-hmm. and it was playing the theme, that annoying theme music <laughs> on a loop. Cause it was just the deep, the oh, Blu-ray menu. God. So like I'm sitting there preparing to watch this horrible movie, having this earworm of an annoying song mm. and thinking about how like, Oh, I'm going to get dumped tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and like, yeah. So that was just an interesting confluence of events. Yeah. I, um, I just think about like, the producer who recorded that audio. <laughs> right. I assume he killed himself. <laughs> right. It's so fucking awful. Yeah. Have a happy Halloween. Don't please. Halloween, oh my god. Have a happy uh, three more days till Halloween. Oh Halloween. My god. Halloween. Uh, I think we should talk. Halloween. Halloween. <laughs> I don't want to be in a relationship. Halloween. Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh uh, fuck. It's not you, it's me. Halloween. Halloween. <laughs> uh, let's still be friends. Halloween, Halloween. Um, okay. So- <laughs> That's ridiculous. Oh, fuck. So dumb. <laughs> Malignant. Malignant. <laughs> We've got, yeah. Go. Um, okay. So, yeah, I think that oh, that's shit. all that we have to say about non spoilers for Creep Show. Do you want to mm-hmm. go into spoilers? Yeah. Just kind of briefly? Yeah, just quickly. Yeah, because I don't really have much to talk about in spoilers, but mm-hmm. I'm going to play a little bit of music here. And then when we come back, we're going to spoil the heck out of Creep Show. And spoilers on for Creep Show. 
Um, Tiny, where do what do you want to spoil? <laughs> um, well, in the first segment, um, mm. I don't know if we mentioned that I love the um, the transitions. Uh, mm-hmm. where, where they transition from like live action to the comics though. Oh yeah. I think that's just fun as hell. Mm-hmm. And like, I wish more movies would did that. Yeah. Like that um, when, when they show the father like berating uh, the mm-hmm. daughter and it's like, it's like it zooms out and it, he's in, he's in a comic book frame, mm-hmm. but it's like the live action in the frame. Right. But it's animated comic book frame like that. I, I loved that. Totally. I, I thought that was so cool. Yeah. Um, I love how they yeah. stuck to that, but yeah. the beginning and each story, uh, the beginning and ending of each story, they mm-hmm. fade into live action and then fade out. Yeah, um, and I I really love that. But my favorite one is the first one mm-hmm. is um, uh, Father's Day, the fade out, the ending where the reanimated father has her head on the cake. Yes, and it's it's just so over the fucking top because right. he opens the door, he's like, <laughs> does he say Happy Father's Day? Yeah. And it's just <laughs> fucking ridiculous, but I love it. I had forgotten about that ending. Yeah. And then I saw it, I was just like, that <laughs> is just delightful. Again, it's just a perfect tone. Yes. Like, no one could be, con- after watching that, no one could be confused that this is like a straightforward horror movie. Oh, absolutely. Like, it, I fucking it is, love that. It is a fun horror movie. Uh, yeah, and like, totally. I, I adored for that. I really yeah, do. me too. I loved it. Yeah. Love it. It's so great. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I don't really have any spoilers thoughts just to agree with you on that. Yeah, um, um, I don't know what else there is to spoil. But, yeah, uh, I don't know either. Yeah. And I feel like there's nothing really to spoil about Jordy Verrill. Yeah, except uh, with the Jordy Verrill, I, I do... It's it's a... The ending is kind of a... Not fun, but a, but a very uh, sort of... To me, I guess it's kind of a serious moment at the end yeah. where he puts a fucking shotgun in his mouth and kills himself. That's right, yeah. Um, uh, like, it's... It's disturbing, but mm. I love it. Like yeah. it's um, it's a total downer, right? Because the yeah. whole the whole segment is just over the top. Oh yeah, like the guy is a dead man walking, and he mm-hmm. knows it, but he's ridiculous seeing visions of his dad, and he's mm-hmm. watching wrestling, and he's turning into a fucking plant. Yeah, and it's it's uh, it's goofy the whole time, and then it has this very very somber, mm-hmm. at least in my opinion, ending. I think maybe it could be you can see some campiness because it gets. Mm-hmm. It looks kind of goofy. Right. He looks yeah. kind of goofy. I mean, he almost looks like the Grinch without a face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I guess I've never interpreted it that way. The two times I've seen it, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it just, it really struck me as a, a truly somber, dramatic moment to me. Yeah. But if, for some reason, it fits. Yeah. And, I and agree. it works, you know? I yeah. also, again, I love the fade out where oh, yeah. the plant's taking over the highway that- on, on its way to Boston. Uh, I think Boston's yeah, on the sign, so, yeah. like or something like that. Yeah, um, cool. Yeah, it's, kind of, it's fun. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I loved that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then segment three. Um, I thought I had something for that. Yeah. Um, for spoilers, which one is segment three? That's uh, tied you over. Yeah. Yes. Something to tide you over. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah just the bonkers and elaborateness of it is mm-hmm. just so satisfying. Totally. Um, and it also because it ends with them coming back and coming after the man, right? Uh, Leslie Nielsen, mm-hmm. and that I I liked because because while yes, okay, so the lonesome death of of uh, Jordy Verrill does have that somber ending that maybe doesn't necessarily fit the tone of the movie itself and every other segment. But had they not come back at something to tide you over, had they not come back to dole out their own vengeance to him, 
I feel like that would have been an even less fitting and like fitting tonal ending for the movie, like mm-hmm. uh, like the segment. Because I feel like if he just wins and there's no like comeuppance for him or anything, mm-hmm. that would have probably been more distracting than a than the somber ending of Jordy Verrill. Yeah. Um, so I'm really glad that they did that. And of course the makeup effects, the design, the effects of it is just so, so cool. Totally. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Um, oh, there was something I was going to say. Um, you want to go to the beach? Oh, (laughs) (laughs) right. No. Um, I, this is like a stupid, like a, a, a thought I had watching this. I had, I had a thought of like a, almost like a family guy cutaway scene where like (laughs) Leslie Nielsen is going to the electronic store like three times to buy the same TV in the span of like a week because he sets up the TV. Oh yeah. And it gets ruined because the tide comes in. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Like it just made me think of, Oh, that's great. Having to redo it. (laughs) The salesman's like, Hey, weren't you just here buying this TV yesterday? He's like, Oh yeah, I dropped it when I was bringing it in or something like that. Or he brings one know. back and he's like, I need to return this. Call it covered in seaweed <laughs> and shit. Seaweed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I don't know why. That just popped into my head when I was watching it this time. That's um, great. I love it's like, that. Dude, you just bought a whole TV and you're just going to literally let the tide ruin it. Right. Um, which they show it like it shorts out yeah. and everything. It's, it's funny. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that the threat of death from that is super creepy. Um, totally, totally. Super, super creepy. Yeah. And But I also love the idea that as Ted Danson's dying, he's being forced to watch his lover die on the television. That's just cruel and like cruel justice. And it's an aspect I like of it, but remind me never to piss you off. (laughs) (laughs) TVs are cheap now, (laughs) right? (laughs) Much more affordable. (laughs) I can go buy four of them at Costco for like a hundred bucks. Not really, but yeah. Oh, geez. (laughs) Um, yeah, yeah. So that's, that was really cool. Yep. Um, then the next segment, uh, the crate, what do you want to say in spoilers about the crate? Um, again, super cool ending Mm -hmm. how they, you know, it's just kind of classic dump it into the water and breaks open and escapes. Mm -hmm. I just love the open-ended thing. Yeah. I was going to say, it reminds me a little bit of a certain early Stephen King adaptation, but I, you haven't seen it. I don't think so. I'm not going Mm -hmm. to say it. Okay. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and a cool, cool frame. The mm-hmm. uh, the creature's eyes. Yeah, like, that's just a fun, fun visual. Very, very cool. Yeah. Um, it makes me want to check out uh, Silver Bullet and uh, Cycle of the Werewolf. Okay. Um, just because of the kind of wolf aspect of it. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that was a cool one. I mm-hmm. don't really have anything for spoilers. On that. Right. I don't really have anything for spoilers for any of this. Yeah. Um, I was debating us even doing a spoiler section. Yeah. We probably could have gone either way. Yeah. But to round us out, how did you feel about spoilers for uh, they're creeping up on you? So, in my opinion, it's, mm-hmm. it's a little ambiguous whether or not the bugs were actually there oh, or not. That's, that's interesting. I, I I didn't really consider it as being like a trick of the mind or anything. Yeah. I, I thought it, I've, I only interpreted it as pretty straightforward. And okay. I, I think that that's because I was terrified at the prospect of it. Like I just kind oh, of, okay. I think I was so wrapped up in the yuckiness of it okay. that I was just so like distracted from like thinking too hard about it. <laughs> right. 
But that like final image with him like, yeah. covered and it come oh. bursting open. Yes, with, yeah. just oh. so you think it's it's blatant that he was hallucinating. Oh no, no, no. I think that they were real. Okay, yeah. Gotcha. I don't know why. I don't know like what. Um, See, I think if it's yeah. one way, it's blatant that he was hallucinating. Okay, strictly because of the ma- the super the maintenance guy. Oh yeah, just his attitude. He's like, right, you got a bug problem. I know. Okay, because I, I think it's implying that like, he calls them all the time for bug issues, and they show up, and there's no bugs. Gotcha. Yeah, you know, well. honestly, I think you might be right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But I was just so distracted by the yuckiness that. Right. Uh, yeah. But again, I, I love again. I love the two visuals of the you know the um the clean room that he has that he eventually yeah. kind of retreats to. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's a visual where it's literally like two feet deep cockroaches. Yes. Oh my God. But then you have the other scene where it's showing him just dead on the bed and there's no bugs at all. Oh yeah. And then it goes to the scene where he bursts open with them and it's like just the back and forth is just kind of fun. Yeah. I, um, uh, yeah. Now that you're saying that, yeah, it was definitely, a, <laughs> it was definitely in his head. <laughs> right. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, by the way, if you ever want to get any information out of me uh, <laughs> through torturous means, don't share that information. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm saying like, uh, don't do it. But like, <laughs> tell me that you're going to, and I'll, I'll like be like, hey, you know, right. here, it's not worth it. Yeah, here, right. This is Tiny's address. This <laughs> is work schedule. Um, Same here. I would totally. Yeah. Yep. Right. Yep. Yeah. I would totally break. Yep. 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 Um, all right. Well, I think that's it for Creep Show. Yeah. Well, um, there's also the end with Billy with the uh, oh yeah 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 the, okay. uh, voodoo doll right, <laughs> which is great. <laughs> oh yeah, classic. Yeah. Just I mean, yeah. Even the setup where it's the garbage men are like, mm-hmm. "Ooh, look a voodoo doll." It's like, oh, somebody already sent off for that one. Right. It's so fucking great. It's so great. Yeah. So awesome. Just love it. And just the look of glee on Joe Hill's face <laughs> right. when he's playing Billy is so just ridiculous. so great. Yep. Oh yeah. So yeah, um, so yeah, so that's creep show. How like overall, like, do, is this something that uh, did your did your thoughts did, did your enjoyment of creep show improve over your memory of how it was the first time you saw it? Or? Totally okay, totally. Because nice. again, I think I think I was in the mindset of a douchey teenager and like, oh yeah, well it's campy, so I don't really like it that much. Right. But in reality, yeah. like, dude, just sit back and have a good time. This is not. Kubrickian. Right. Okay. It's not Seven Samurai. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um. Um, but yeah, I guess my attitudes have changed so much in regard to that. Like, oh, yeah. I'm so much more experience based now, and it's just mm. a fun ass experience to watch this movie. Oh, absolutely. It makes me want to watch it, like, for, you know, watch it again in the future for Shocktober. And that was going to be my next question. Yeah. If this is something that you'll be revisiting now that you're, you've kind of watched it with a new. A new a new lens. Yeah. yeah. I gave it three stars on Letterboxd, but okay. I'm thinking I'd, I'd probably bump it up to four. Nice. I don't know why. Again, maybe I'm just guarding my <laughs> guarding my image of like, well, it's campy, so I can't give it too many stars. Bullsh- oh, yeah. That's interesting. Bullshit. I think it's a four-star movie. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yep. You heard it here first, guys. Tiny you did. Creep Show is a that's, four-star movie. That's your scoop. Yes. Yeah. And also, I rated it four stars. Sweet. So, yeah. Sweet. Yep. Um, all right. Well, that will do it for this episode of Tower Junkies. Um, once again, you can find us on, you know, everywhere. Um, <laughs> Tower Junkies pod <laughs> on the social medias. Also check out Patreon at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer for tons of extra bonus content 
And uh, yeah, Tiny, do you have any parting thoughts for this episode of the Tower Junkies podcast? Um, where's my cake? Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> where's my cake? <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, yeah, long days and pleasant nights. And may you have twice the number. And now, here's a short clip from our Patreon-exclusive RSS feed. To hear the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. And it also kind of just introduces us to Preacher's Corners and, uh, like the plot's description said, the kind of prejudice of, of, the, of the town against the Boone family name. And what this episode does, what the show does, this pilot episode does, is a really, it, it demonstrates a really good handle of um, giving us just a little bit of information and, and kind of like whetting our appetite for it. And there's also some really good horror elements on this, so I'll, I'll talk about that in a bit. But overall, this is a pretty good introduction to the story. Now, it's very much a... Um, uh, a departure from the short story, obviously. I mean, a short story, um, like you can only do so much with it. But it's interesting that the show has given um, Charles Boone his, his children there and um, also introduced other characters like, um, uh, was it Rebecca Morgan? I just said it. I literally just said it. Yes, Rebecca Morgan. Tower Junkies is edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. For a full archive of our episodes, go to TowerJunkiesPod.com slash archive. You can also like our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash TowerJunkiesPod and follow us on Twitter at TowerJunkiesPod. If you enjoy the show, please take a couple minutes to leave us a rating and a quick review on Apple Podcasts. This is the easiest way to support what we do, and all it costs is just a little bit of your time. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a PayPal donation at towerjunkiespod.com slash donate or support us on Patreon for recurring donations and access to commentary tracks and B-roll audio recorded exclusively for patrons at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. For official Obsessive Viewer merch, including shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more, visit our Public store. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. Or you can simply search for obsessiveviewer at tpublic.com. For information about our annual live event showcasing short horror films from local filmmakers, check out shocktoberinirvington.com. And for an archive of all our events, as well as news about potential future events, head over to obsessiveviewer.com slash live. For more podcast content, you can find our flagship movie and TV review and discussion show, The Obsessive Viewer Podcast, at obsessiveviewer.com and on Twitter at obsessiveviewer. You can also find Anthology, Matt's solo podcast covering The Twilight Zone, and other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows at anthologypod.com and OV Anthologypod on Twitter. Finally, check out The Secular Perspective. Tiny's side project podcast, which tackles current events and life's big questions from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda at thesecularperspective.com. Music for the podcast is provided with permission from Fingers T on YouTube. Additional bumper music is provided courtesy of As Good As It Gets, which can be found at facebook.com slash band. Thank you so much for listening. Long days and pleasant nights. Kitty!